0: Hey traders, David Frost, my strategic forecast You're here for another episode of common sense market analysis. Today is Tuesday, November 2, 2021. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or spider, which is the proxy for the S and P 500. What do we have on the docket today? First and foremost, we have another set of new highs. Okay. Fair enough. But we have other stuff on the docket this week. So let's decipher the whole thing. We're going to unpack everything. We have the two-day Kabuki Theater meeting started today, concludes tomorrow. We'll have an announcement from the Fed, and then we'll have a press conference from the Fed chair, Jerome Powell. So we should get some volatility in and around that announcement. Leading up to there, we're kind of waiting on the Fed. The trend is up. The market's in float mode, so you're getting a crunch or a grind higher. Now let's go a step further. So we're at new highs, we're in no man's land. So there really is no cap on how high the market can go over time until such time as where she puts in a sign or signal of a trend change. And then you have some kind of a benchmark to trade against. But we don't have anything like that on any of the longer term charts. So we're in somewhat of a melt-up operation. Another question that comes up is, are we going to finally have That blow-off top that everybody's waiting for, or at least some traders are waiting for. And if we are, could the Fed announcement this week be the missing ingredient that sends the market up in a frenzy formation? Anything's possible, so don't necessarily rule something like that out or take it off the table. But most importantly, here's how we're going to know what the situation is. We're going to go through a series of charts... And we're going to have numbers on both sides of the market, or at least we're going to have what to look at on both sides of the market, numbers on one, and essentially a pattern and a number on the other. This way, following the Fed announcement, we're going to have a pretty good idea of what's taking place and what's going to follow over the next several days. And by the way, just to insert this for those of you waiting, it's not lost on me what happened with the transports today and car Avis budget. We'll get to that when we get to the transports. Is anything jumping off the page on the daily chart? The only thing that really jumps off the page right now for me is getting a little bit far from home base. Doesn't mean it can't go higher, but we are getting a little far from home base, which is the 20 period moving average. And the market has a tendency to either go sideways and let home base have a chance to creep up to price or pull back toward home base and kind of work off some of that quote-unquote overbought condition. And you know how I hate that term. There's no measurement for overbought or oversold. It's something that traders like to use in the marketplace. Therefore, I'm okay with using it as long as we have the understanding and the awareness that there is no benchmark there is no measurement for oversold or overbought. It's more of an awareness. When we look at the weekly chart, it really gives us no new information. We've broken out above the old highs. We've closed last week above the old highs, and here we are continuing to push higher. There's really nothing else we need to know about the weekly chart other than where the former high is, and it is at 454.05, and we know that number from before, They will come back to visit that number again. The question is, how much higher first before that takes place? The monthly chart, just as a refresher, we have the reversal candle from last month, the month of October. First, we had a reversal in September, and then we had a reversal of the reversal in October. The trend is the dominant thing. She is your friend until she breaks up with you in a text message. Let's go the other way for a moment. Here's a 240-minute chart, and it basically looks like the daily chart. Not much of a difference at all. However, all of a sudden, when we look at the 120-minute chart, we have something to work with. This chart gives us something to work with on the south side, and it gives us something to work with in terms of what it's doing. It's creating a bullish, flaggish pattern. Okay, so that's generally speaking... The market's way of saying it's building energy, eating time off the clock, building energy to make another push higher. Now, that whole concept gets blown out the window, at least on a temporary basis, if in fact price gets below the low of this breakup candle. The low is 460.08. We'll call it 460. Happens to be a big fat round number. It's an important number. ES4600. SPX 4600, SPY 460. The market was headed there, pulled up short after a pullback as it was looking into the abyss, a rescue operation ensued. They went and got the big fat round number, the completion of the inverse head and shoulders that we've been discussing. And here we are continuing to push higher. The trend is the dominant thing. So the trend from a longer term basis won't necessarily change, but... On a short-term basis, things can morph into other things before the longer-term trends begin to change. So therefore, from a short-term basis, at least on this 120-minute chart, we look at 460 for a couple of reasons. Big fat round number, low of a breakup candle. It's important if they start getting below that, we know that the bullishness is changing at least on a short-term basis. Keep in mind, in and around the Fed announcement, the market's going to go up. The market's going to go down. The market is designed to make as many traders and investors look like fools as much of the time as possible. So, the traders trying to catch lightning in a bottle in and around the Fed announcement, most of them will likely lose. Some will get lucky. But the traders who let the thing develop after the fact are the ones that are typically the long term winners. Now we go to the hourly chart, and it basically confirms what we were seeing in the 120-minute chart. You can see the bullish, flaggish kind of thing developing at the highs on the chart. So there's two things that come with that. And obviously, it was at the highs on the 120 chart, too. I just didn't talk about it. So there's two things that come with that. They're eating time off the clock, building energy. That's a signal there's another push higher coming. However, at some point, when there is a high on a chart a high, wherever it may be at the time, will fail at some point in time. We don't know which high is going to fail, but one of these bullish flaggish patterns could fail. Some kind of a blow-off can fail at some point, at some price. So that's more of an awareness thing, but it's interesting that we're coming into a very important time frame with Kabuki Theater, where we know we're going to get an influx of volatility. A lot of traders, a lot of investors, a lot of just watchers We'll try and outsmart the movement or what the Fed will say and what the market will do after the Fed. So let's say they signal they're going to taper more than they signaled before and maybe earlier than before. The market will probably have a conniption fit. Is that a likely scenario? Well, they're not really into the surprise business, meaning the Fed. They like to signal what they're doing and then they like to tell the market what it wants to hear. However... The market doesn't necessarily like surprises. So the Fed's not in the surprise business, but if we see a surprise, you have to watch out for the downside. Can a surprise occur on the upside? Of course it can. In an uptrend, which is the dominant thing, the market is always looking for an excuse to go higher. Sometimes it's a big excuse. Sometimes it's a far off the beaten track excuse at a left field. But if it can hold on to an excuse and push price higher buying begets buying fomo kicks in panic buying sets in and pushes price higher we've seen this time and time again after fed announcements the first move is down next scene shows they're rallying to new highs more awareness the point or the moral of the story is don't try and outsmart the guests don't try and outsmart the fed wait for the market to indicate what the next likely scenario is, and we'll go from there. What about inside the numbers? We're going to look at the commentary. We'll circle back to stocks on the move. We will look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. The pre-market commentary, they're starting right around the big, fat, round numbers. North of that is in no man's land. South, 458 was important like it was yesterday. They didn't do that. They just stayed up all day long. After they stayed up, they went sideways. So what I'm going to do is scroll up, let you read the commentary. I urge you to pause the video, go back to the charts, and double-check the work, regardless of what's being discussed inside the numbers. Every day, there's different things being discussed. Every day, there's learning opportunities. I urge you to read the notes and double-check with the charts. You can learn something each and every day. There's a word on the transports and car. We'll get back to that as soon as we go to the transports. Stock's on the move. We don't look at the ones that did not hit their price targets. We do look at the ones that hit their entry objectives. We'll look at Mosaic, DQ, and Chegg. Not the ideal trading day around the horn. Mosaic did the thing by the nick of its skin of its teeth. You got to go down to a one-minute chart to see it. Happened again from the second number. And then, as you can see, it stayed down. It went lower and tried to work its way back to the second price. Pretty good haircut for Mosaic similar situation for dq came up just short of the required minimum one percent objective came in and then did the one percent down at the second number again not the ideal scenario we're just going over the facts and then Cheg. this one was just flat out wrong none of the numbers worked it was taken out behind the woodshed it was down almost 50 percent so here's the way i have to look at this one and by the way yes I took a hit on this one, absolutely. And I have to look at it this way. This was one of those trades, one of those stocks in the morning that just keeps going. Most of the time, they don't. Once in a while, they do. It's an awareness. We talk about it each and every time this happens. It happens from time to time. Sometimes this happens, where they just don't give you any kind of bounce all day long. They threaten to bounce a few times, but they never get going The selling pressure is just too, too much. Shitburger du jour. Now, I want to go off the beaten track a little bit, and I want to show you an email I got from Jordan today. Who's Jordan? Some of you actually know Jordan. Jordan helps me out. Jordan and I have something new that's coming to help traders throughout the trading day. Stay tuned. So he writes this email to me. This is after the Chegg trade today. He did some quick math, and... I wanna go over some of the numbers. Here's October, win rate, 81%. This is for just inside the numbers, stocks on the move. Nothing more, nothing less. Total winnings using a $50 maximum loss per trade. Now, obviously, that's small. A lot of traders, most traders are willing to lose more than that, to make more than that, but this is the numbers that Jordan was working with. So, for example, if you double the max loss to 100, you can double everything else along the way, and so on. But the total winnings using max loss of $50 a trade was $392.29. It's pretty good. Win rate, October and November, which includes Chegg today, still 77.1. And we're just in the beginning of November. The numbers go up, the numbers go down. Sometimes the whole thing will be at 84%. That's why it's called an average. Sometimes you're below, sometimes you're above. The point is, and he writes, as much as losses suck, a mechanical approach works. Meaning, can still generate profits. Meaning, he's painting by the numbers as I always describe. If you go down here to some more of the numbers, and I'm sorry to get personal in Jordan's stuff here, but he'll get over it. And he's a numbers guy. If he actually committed 1% to each trade, he'd be earning about 5.8% a month. Not too shabby for an entire mechanical approach, he writes. And he's right. This is exactly what I've been talking about for a long, long, long time. He's analytical. He takes the time to do it. I don't. I just know it works, and I don't really care whether it's 78%, 81%. doesn't make any difference to me. What's going on over in Camp IWM? Well, they're trying to break out to new highs. Here's the weekly chart. The old high, right here, 234.53. You can see where the close was today, 234.45. The high, 234.85 so they punch it through by a little bit, but don't close above. That's not abnormal, that's not out of the ordinary, that's just garden variety. Sometimes they just bust right through, sometimes they play games with it, sometimes they come up short, run sideways under the high for a while, and then go higher. Anything goes as long as you can recognize what the current storyline is. Closing above the old high is one thing, not being able to is another. We'll see if they can, or we'll see if they start to get rejected. Either way, we don't know. We don't anticipate. We're the umpire calling balls and strikes. Now we get to the folks over at the Transportation Department. Now look at this move higher today. So yesterday, the closing price is exactly 15943 Today, they get all the way up to a high of $18,246 and change. Really? And that was all on the back of CAR, Avis Budget. What did Avis Budget do? So Avis Budget was basically a double. Maybe it was more at one point. It's $354 now. Got to a high of $545. It's one of these squeezes. Who knows what it is? They had earnings. But nobody moves like this because their earnings were so good. They were that much better than quote-unquote analyst expectations. This is one of these anomalies. It's a squeeze. It's whatever it is. It doesn't really matter what you call it. If you owned it, you were rewarded. You can't chase it. You can't chase this thing around trying to short it, trying to buy it. You just be a spectator when this stuff happens. Let's just say the thing was up almost 200% at the peak. I don't remember what the number was exactly. It doesn't really matter. I'm going somewhere with this. There's always a method to the madness. Did that move... Here's an hourly chart of the transports. Did that move warrant that kind of move in the corresponding index where that, meaning car, is one of the components? Maybe. And the answer is absolutely not. It's in the redonkulous camp. Here, we're looking at the top 10 holdings for the IYT, which is the exchange-traded fund that tracks the transportation index car isn't even in the top 10, and the top 10 account for 71.43% of the total assets. The thing was broken today. If you pay attention, there'll be something with the transports in the near future saying what happened and how they're going to fix it and all that stuff. But what happened today Shouldn't have happened, A, shouldn't have happened with car. That's a separate issue. B, shouldn't have happened to the transportation index as a result of car. However, it did happen, and price, as we know, is the absolute arbiter of the market. So today, the transports are where they are, and we'll see what happens over the next couple of days, whether or not they kind of normalize back to where they should be, or Is there something inside the IYT that wasn't being reflected today? It could go either way. Remember, we have an open mind. We're the umpire calling balls and strikes. Here's the IYT. It was up less than 1% today, two bucks. It's more of a normalized type of move. And reflective of what happened with the components ...of the IYT during the trading day. What about the folks out in Silicon Valley? The Q people? Breaking out to new highs, same as yesterday. Nothing to do here, nothing to see here. They're in no man's land. Are they headed to 400, 390, 395? Until they signal back to us... ...that they're putting in a sign and or signal of a trend change... Then we're just spectators unless you're long the QQQ. And if you are, you just ride it until she tells you she's changing trend. XLF, the financials, basically flat today. We're not going to read into a flat tape today in the financials. They're close to the highs that they were at the other day. They're above all the moving averages. Nothing to see here. We'll just move it along. About Smash Mouth, the proxy for the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index, about a breakout to new highs here's the weekly chart is this a sign of a weak market or is this an uptrending market that's very very strong this is an uptrending market that's very very strong the only thing that shakes the boat on this one is getting back below and then starting to close daily and weekly below 276 until that happens she's on a breakout have i told you how much i appreciate each and every one of you without you these videos are not possible True and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. It's everything I wanted to and intended to discuss. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.